Welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I am one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy. And I am one of your hosts, Corwin Hill. So here's a wild fact for you before we before I continue introing the show. Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez, and Chris Bryant, the three major ex-Cubs, all hit home runs in their first game with their new team. That's such a fuck you. That is, yeah, man. If you're a Cubs fan, I am genuinely sorry. Like, I'm not even trying to be a dick. Like, that is so painful to see. Wow. Um, you won a World Series. You broke the curse. You have that. Just hold on to that. Yeah, it's, yeah, but still. Anyway, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, we have Max Greenfield on today to talk about the trade deadline, the busy ass trade deadline. Um, uh, I wrote down and wrote out all of the trades starting from July 25th to July 30th. And we had 45 trades that we could have talked about. Obviously, within an hour, hour and a half, we did not get to all of them. So if we didn't talk about your favorite quirky trade, uh, sorry, I guess. Uh, sure. Maybe, maybe next time. Uh, but, but there's so much to get into. Um, we did our best. There's even, I also wanted to bring it up, but I guess we'll have to save it for another time. Kumar Rocker, it was in the news because the Sounds Mets apparently insane. are not going to be signing him, which is wild. So They just did today. Oh, they did sign him. They did ended up signing him, yeah. Oh, sh- I missed this. What, what ended up happening with it? As I, as I find up. this out right now. I have no idea. I have no other details other than they signed him. Because I have a thing from Jeff Passan at five o'clock that said they didn't sign him. Oh, I saw that earlier than five. So maybe maybe they fell through with the signing. Yeah, it did not. We'll, they, we'll they have did to look not into this. Him. We'll have to look into this. Okay. <laughs> either way, either way, Kumar Rocker was in the news today. I guess that's all we'll say about it as we find out more later. But uh, regardless, uh, so much ended up happening, and there's so much intricacies to every trade especially when you have 45 of them and how it shapes a playoff picture. We had very high aspirations for how much we get to talk to uh, Max about, and we still, we got through a whole bunch. We didn't get through everything, but then just once again, thank you so much to Max for being so okay. fucking patient with us um, <laughs> as we asked so many questions and, um, and went through as much as we could. Uh, big shout outs to Max's girlfriend for also being patient with us as we kept him from her. We are so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Max is such a great dude for doing this for us. So, uh, without further ado, here is our talk with Max. All right, we are joined once again, the regular season debut of Max Greenfield from Pitchers List. Max, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back on. Uh, it's been a hectic week. Oh, my God, has it. Uh, before we get started, Max, uh, why don't you tell people where they can find you and whatnot? Yeah, so uh, my green uh, my Twitter handle is at GreenfieldMax18. My Greenfield handle is uh, TwitterMax18. Uh, yeah, it's uh, GreenfieldMax18. I'm a writer for Pitcher List. Uh, I pretty much have only written about pitchers since like the fifth week of the season. That's mainly because I think, as I said on the podcast last time, which let me uh, say again, still my favorite conversation I've ever had on a podcast. I had so much fun last time. So happy to be back. Uh, I don't like writing. I can't tell hitters. if you're lying to us. Like, I'm to not. I'm, ge- I'm genuinely serious. I'm genuinely serious. I really enjoyed our <laughs> conversation. Um, I don't like writing about hitters because my offensive analysis is very simple. Do you swing outside of the zone? Do you walk a lot? Do you hit the ball hard? Is it in the air? Do all four of those things. You're good. Beyond that, I'm just like I have nothing else to say. Like That's if you don't do those things, 
It's uh, like it's outside just, of that, it's easy. Like baseball, hitting a baseball at 100 miles an hour, do those dude, things and you're fine. It's, easy it's super easy. I know I'm making it sound like so easy for hitter, but for offensive analysis, it's just like, do they do those things? Yes, they're probably very good. Do they not do those things? No, they're probably not very good. That's really the extent of it. Then there are people like, well, how should they project going forward? I don't know. They're hitting the ball on the ground 48% of the time. Not good. That would be not my good. guess. Yeah. I thought we were <laughs> talking about Eric Hosmer today. Oh, God. But uh, yeah. Sorry, with pitchers, it's so much, it's, pitchers are so much more interesting. Like, they're just like, well, if they adjusted this pitch ever so slightly, how would that change? That's a much more interesting conversation. And if you're listening to this, just go back and listen to the first episode that I was on because we go into all of that, and it was really fun. And read everything Max has ever written because it's all very valuable and you will learn, I promise. Yeah, some stuff Pitcher is very as a whole, if you, if you haven't been there, it's it's eye-opening. With it is a dangerous website during working hours for me. Oh, <laughs> Ooh, yeah. That, <laughs> during baseball season, that's my like cycle. Is like I, I'll get to work, okay, morning meeting. Okay, Pitcher List, what did I miss yesterday? Everything. It, Let's see the roundups. It's if you're a fantasy baseball player, like there's just really no better site to check because it'll give you everything you need to stay up to date on who you should be dropping, who you should be streaming, guys to look out for, guys you want to pick up, guys that are on the waiver wire availability. You're just like it's the only place you need to go for just fantasy baseball. It's a great place to work. And that's how you know Josh doesn't actually read the site. Fuckers, I'm first in our league. <laughs> I started the it's season nine oh. I did not know that. <laughs> yes, I'm the best player in a league. I scored 135 points today. Suck my balls, Corwin. All right. <laughs> We're moving on. So it is, as it stands today, it is uh, about 5.40 here on the East Coast. It is 2.40 p.m. where Max is on the West Coast. It is August 1st. I mean, the deadline has come and gone. And holy shit, this was the most active largest and most intense trade deadline of any sport I follow for the entirety of my lifetime. Um, it seems as though almost, and we'll get into the almost later, um, every player that was rumored to be traded basically got traded um, for a wide variety of way more than you expected and a lot less than you thought. And that leaves us with a very different looking playoff picture for a lot of teams and some divisions that seem to basically become all-star teams um, that are all in the same division. So a lot to get into with it. Uh, we figured we talked a little bit before we re started recording, we figured the easiest way to do it would be to talk about the teams that some of us actually follow and then kind of take it from there. So uh, gentlemen, shall we start with the Yankees? Yeah, we'll start with the Yankees. That's probably the best. <sighs> so they had, <laughs> They started off the trade deadline with a couple of smaller trades. I'm not sure if it's worth even really talking about it. We did talk about it a little bit on our last episode with Stacey Gatsoulias um, of Locked On Yankees. Uh, but the Yankees made a trade with the Pirates for Clay Holmes. Max, any thoughts on that one? I liked that move. I, I remember uh, I read since like June 20th, by the way, he has like an 86% ground ball rate. It's going to go up today or might stay the same because he, he had what? faced four, five hitters, and four of them hit the ball on the ground. So it actually might go down. It's actually going to go down. That's how many ground balls this guy gets. Um, the Yankees went for guys, uh, and it started with Holmes, well, just pure stuff. They said, we really like this guy's stuff. We don't really care about the results or anything like that. We're going to think we can develop the stuff more. Clay Holmes is a guy who throws a lot of sinkers, a lot of them, and he's going to get a lot of ground balls. The problem is he walked a lot of guys. But in three appearances with the Yankees so far, he has yet to walk anybody. So 
either he's just feeling good right now or the Yankees found something really simple to tweak and it's actually going to work. So that has the chance of being a sneaky, really, really good move. Um, I know people were upset that they traded Hoi Jun Park. He's a career, you know, triple A player, had the best year of his minor league career this year. What all appears to be some sort of anomaly. He's going to get a shot on the Pirates. I hope he does well, but the Yankees should feel no grief in trading him. Yeah, Corey and I got out a lot of our thoughts about this already. Um, so we're not going to spend too much time on it from our end. But yeah, it 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 it's a it's a it's fine. I it it's more valuable as a roster shakeup than it is anything about the players involved. And yeah. the Yankees going for stuff was evident in the Wiley Peralta trade when they mm-hmm. moved on from Mike Talkman. I mean, it's kind of what the Yankees have been doing a lot of recently. It's why they traded for Luke Voigt. Also from yeah. the batting side, like he hits the ball hard, and they figure the rest will come, or they can educate on the rest and. Yeah, so this very much so in line with that. Uh, the other small trade that they made was uh, with the Reds. Justin Wilson and Luis Sessa got sent over in exchange for a player to be named later is what I have written down here. Maybe it was just yep. cash consideration. It still hasn't been announced. Okay. Um, again, this is one Cor and I talked about a little bit already. Max, do you have any thoughts on it? If, uh, I, I wish the Yankee fans appreciated Luis Sessa more while he was there. Because uh, the guy was actually pretty good for most of his last few years there, and people didn't appreciate him. But it was a pure just get rid of Justin Wilson, give him something in return. We're going to get more relievers at the deadline. Our bullpen will be fine. Yeah, and again, it has a, a roster shakeup effect to it, freeing up two spots. Um, I felt a little bit emotionally attached to Luis Sessa because I remember very distinctly when he came up, and everyone was talking about like he used to be a second baseman, and the Yankees are trying him out as a pitcher, and I was like, oh, that. Sounds like a horrible idea. And then I got proved <laughs> wrong. And then I was like, this is awesome. And now I'm a little bit sad, but it's understandable. Yes. I, I, I at least you're a little bit sad for the right reason of like, oh, he's actually good. You recognize that he was good. Most Yankee fans didn't. Well, cause it's also cool. Cause like, you know, how hard it must be to change positions, especially when you're already at this level of ball. Like yeah. I can't even imagine. So you got to, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very small feel good story for the guy, you know, yep. but yeah. All right. So. Getting into the bigger ones. And sorry if I'm speaking with a little bit of speed and urgency. There are so many trades. <laughs> um, so the first major uh, uh, trade that the Yankees made was with the Texas Rangers in acquiring Joey Gallo and Joely Gar- uh, Rodriguez. I'm not sure if it's Joely or Hoeli. I've never actually heard anyone say he, it They said Joely on the broadcast today. Okay. I had the broadcast on mute, so I did not That's hear it. That's fair. Um, in exchange, and we broke this trade while we were recording, but it has changed since then because we heard like nine different player names. Um, in exchange, the uh, Yankees sent back to the Rangers uh, pitcher Glenn Otto, uh, second baseman Josh Smith, second baseman Trevor Halver, and then I don't have a position for Ezekiel Duran, uh, but I'm pretty sure he's, a, he's another infielder, isn't he? He is. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the Rangers covering the remainder of Joey Gallo's contract. Uh so, Max, what do you what do you make of this one? Uh, this was the big one, and there were there were two or three really big trades in like in terms of the entire deadline, and this was one of them. Joey Gallo was rumored, you know, for about a couple weeks ago. I felt like he wasn't going to get traded, but uh, the Rangers apparently tried to extend him. They didn't really. Gallo felt that the offers were a little short. Um, and then while he said he wanted to stay was more just like, yeah, like if you're not going to you know, give me the contract that I want, then go ahead and trade me. Um, the Yankees made the most sense. Their farm system is very deep, um, which they showed off in this deadline. 
Um, and Joey Gallo was the perfect fit. They needed a left-handed bat. They needed a left-handed bat who could hit the ball in the air too, because of all the ground balls they, you know, they've been hitting into this year and all the double plays they've had. So Gallo was the most that made too much sense. Like I, I know that some people were floating around the Padres in there and everything, but I, I felt like the entire time I was just like, it's, it's, it's Yankees or bust. He's either going to the Yankees or he's not getting traded at all. Um, and you know, when the deal was announced, the full deal, not the rumored six, you know, versions that had Schmidt, didn't have Schmidt, might have Debbie, didn't have Debbie. Uh, I felt like it was a fair trade on both sides. Um, you know, Gallo fits that team like a glove. He'll do great there, play great defense in right, left field, center field, wherever they need to play him, slot it into the two, four, or three hole, and be perfectly fine. Um, in terms of what the Rangers got, Otto and Duran, Smith, and Haver all made big strides this year, like huge, huge strides. So Cashman was really selling high on these prospects. Um, and that's a good move. Like they're hot right now. You might as well trade them because you know, with Gallo, what you're going to get. Whereas with the other guys, you don't really know, like, you know, they're still just prospects. So I liked the trade from the Yankees perspective. I thought the return from the Rangers was fine. Um, I don't know if they could have done more, but given that they were paying his salary, I felt like that was probably the most they could have gotten. And this is the my next question is is part of a, a minor point in the conversation Corwin and I had the other day, which is the balance between the present value of a current MLB talent and the future value of however well or poorly graded a prospect is. And that's a huge part of evaluating these trades at the deadline and then looking back on them later on. And when it comes to this Rangers deal, you know, Joey Gallo. 27. He is a year younger than their rookie star, Adolis Garcia, which also threw Corn and I off so much when we realized that was the case. Yep. Um, and they're moving on from, and they're, you know, four prospects for a relief pitcher, which relief pitchers come and go. It's part of the game and a star right fielder, depending on where you are in your rebuild could make all the sense in the world, but there's also a reality or some future where they could have kept Gallo and improved in other ways and built around him. Do you think that moving on from Gallo from the Rangers perspective speeds up their rebuild in an appreciable way? Or do you think that the setback of losing Gallo makes it time neutral or worse? And this is why I like coming on this podcast. The questions are so good. Uh, That's a great question. (laughs) And I'm going to go with, I don't think it does in an, like in a tangible way. I don't think this impacts their, the, the one move I should say doesn't impact their rebuild in a tangible way. Duran is good. Uh, Smith and however, I still have questions on and Otto looked to make real strides, but again, it's, and we're talking like a hundred innings at most. I don't have no idea how legit that change is. Right. Um, you know, I trust the Yankees player development system after they made changes like a year or two ago and the like whole structure of everything. I think they're doing things really, really well now, but I don't know. Um, I don't think it makes a tangible impact, a huge impact. If it were me, if I were running the Rangers, granted, I'm, you know, I got to work with the owner here and probably didn't want to pay Joey Gallo, which is another question, you know, and another topic for another time. I would have tried to keep him. I feel like Gallo being 27, he's young enough to build around, offer a good extension. You know, by the time he's starting to, you know, not be the same player he once was, you will have had your championship window. And uh, I wouldn't have done it. 
but I get why they did. I don't think it was wrong to do that. I don't know if this trade makes a significant impact as other teams did. I think other teams made trades that made significant impacts in their rebuild, but the, the Rangers, I felt overall meh on their deadline. I was like, it wasn't bad. It wasn't good. It, it was fine. Yeah, I, I think this one is really going to come down to future trade deadlines to see what happens with these prospects. Obviously, they, they got a handful of middle infielders. And I mean, there's only so many men who can play second base at the same time, <laughs> as shown to us by the Padres. <laughs> so if, you know, they whoever of this bunch shows to be the most MLB ready talent might either end up coming up and playing for the Rangers in some near point in time, or they might end up getting moved for a different actual MLB ready talent later on down the road when the Rangers are farther along in the rebuild, more prospects. It's, it's tough to say, but I, I, I think I have the same thinking as you on it. I don't, if it was me, I don't think I would have moved on from Gallo. I'm obviously happy they did because yeah. <laughs> I'm it's sure. my favorite team. Um, and this move doesn't make their future any more certain. And I think that's the hard part of it. I can see a reality where it does make their future brighter, but it involves a lot of other moving parts, not just this move. I agree. I think the difference between what the Rangers did and what other teams did was other teams did, they went more all in on it. And it's not to say that like the other trades the Rangers made were bad. I mean, the the Kyle Gibson one, I actually really liked for the Rangers. It's just like, I feel like they missed an opportunity to do what other teams did and just go all in and just say, we're going to revamp the rebuild real hard. And they didn't really do that. And this trade sort of reflects that, but it's also like, you know, as bad as it is to say, Brian Cashman shouldn't be asking the Rangers to pay all Joey Gallo's salary and whatnot. It's again, it, it is a brilliant move from Brian Cashman. It's just a sad one that he has to make that, that decision, right? Like it's, it's the New York Yankees should not be paying or should not be having other teams pay their players. But, you know, listen, it's worked out well for them so far. Odor has been fantastic for them and they are paying him nothing. So it's just in that aspect, it's a little frustrating. But, you know, they, they the Yankees did that in every single one of their trades. Yes, I scoffed when I saw a quote from, I forget if it was from Haller from Cashman who had said, um, that they weren't trying to stay under the luxury tax threshold. That was the Cashman. Fact that they did was an added, but go fuck yourself. <laughs> Cashman was covering for Hal. That was 100% just being a good employee. Like, Absolutely. Just, and, and, but it's and just I like, also, dude, don't I lie re- to us. You don't <laughs> right. need to lie. And it's like, look, we all know. I respect that you managed to do it too. That's the other part of it. Like if that's the, the, the dictum, I absolutely respect how you pulled that off, but come on. <laughs> yeah. Brian Cashman's a wonderful gym. I Yankee fans are ridiculous with wanting to fire Boom, whatever. But like really wanting to fire Cashman is just like, you're delusional if you want that. And he showed that in the deadline. He made Let's moves. Let's get Stacey back that, on here. Yeah. <laughs> Does she want them fired? Yeah. Oh, no, no. See, that's wrong. Nope. It's wrong. It's wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. You can't, 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 can't do that. Maybe Boone, like that's fine. I don't think Boone's really all that bad. I think he just gets harped on because things that he decides to do just go wrong, even if they oh, the show me a manager it. that doesn't get harped on. Yeah, I know, really. Um, but with with Cashman, he was given the opportunity to basically just flex his muscle. When Cashman is least expected to make moves, that's when he's dangerous. That's that's like the Yankees were expected to get Gallo, and that was really. It. Like that was their big guy. And then another player that 
didn't get traded at all. But uh, and instead, what does he do? He uh, uh, this is off topic, but Kawhi just denied his uh, option. So that was interesting. I thought he would pick it up. Uh, mm-hmm. Interesting discussion for another day. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I thought I, Cashman did great. And the the second trade that he made really, r- really came out of nowhere and really showed off his might. Yeah, I was going to say, speaking of unexpected cash and moves, a player that I don't think the Yankees were really tied to at all before the trade ended up going down was uh, trading with the Cubs for Anthony Rizzo in exchange for outfielder Kevin Alcantara and pitcher Alexander Vizcano. Um, Vizcaino? I always forget if I pronounce it. Vizcaino, I believe. Okay, that sounds more right after I said it. And my God, uh, the Yankees fans clamoring, I think rightly so, for more left-handed bats. Uh, (laughs) He went out and got one. And with first base being unfortunately unproductive due to injuries and then having to injuries to Luke Foy and then constantly having to have a a, a shuffle there for who ended up taking uh, the spot, having a set everyday first baseman while giving Luke Foy the chance to recover and coming back into either platoon that position with the other slotting into the DH role is a hell of a move. Um, which involves also keep the fact that they kept Luke Voigt, which was interesting. Um, what do you think about this from the Yankees perspective? And then also the Cubs who were very active this deadline. Yes. Um, I loved it from the Yankee perspective. I know some people disagree with me on that because, because of Luke Voigt, but Anthony Rizzo is just a better player than Luke Voigt. He's not necessarily a better hitter. I don't know if there's a huge tangible difference, to be honest, though, in their hit on offense. I mean, Rizzo's a career 130 way to run the creative plus hitter. And since uh, like May, he's been a 134 way to run the creative plus. So like, yeah, he's basically doing what he's done in his career. Um, so I loved it from the Yankees perspective. It's another left handed bat. It's a guy who could hypothetically lead off like he did today. Um, and has done very well in the leadoff position in his career. I think the Yankees need to have a serious conversation about DJ LeMahieu leading off so much. I don't think he should. Um, and I think Anthony Rizzo is a perfect guy to replace him. I also think the thing that Rizzo does that the Yankees haven't had in really a long time is his defense at first base is actually very impactful for a first baseman. The defense at first base conversation is usually just whatever it is is fine. Like you don't really need to worry about it too much. But some guys like Rizzo, and Olsen, they can make a huge impact, and it does like have a very big impact on your infield. And the Yankees, in just the three games that he's played, have already seen it. He's made a few nice – he had a boneheaded play today, but he had a few nice plays over there at first base. Yeah, um, outs above average in 2021, Anthony Rizzo, 97 outs above average for Luke Voigt in 2020 to account for a full season four. Yeah, that the percentiles – Sorry, fourth percentiles, are, I should say. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the, they're wildly different. So that's that's a big impact. Um from the Cubs' perspective, Vizcayon and Alcantara is a wonderful return. Really did uh, – the Cubs did overall just a stellar job all deadline, but they really nailed it here. Uh, Vizcayon, his stuff is nasty. That changeup he has is really, really good and a really plus fastball. His slider is still working on it. He doesn't have great feel for it yet, but he'll get there. But that was a really good return from the Cubs. And, again, now to moving on to Luke Foyt, if – if Luke Voigt is the everyday DH or is the DH four times a week, stands the DH two times a week, and Stanton plays the field three to four times a week, the Yankees are going to be really good, like really, really good. That offense is going to finally start living up to itself because, I mean, as we saw just in the first two games in Miami, even if we 
factor in who was at the bottom of the lineup and the fact that they were playing in the National League, which doesn't have DH, which is still so damn stupid. But um, sorry, Corin, I just I just hate. I, I hate. I've dealt okay, with it. With we can throw it all on today. It's, it's okay. Yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> it sucks so much. Um, so the Yankees have a real opportunity to have their everyday lineup, and this is what I think it should be: is Rizzo, Judge, uh, Gallo, Stanton, Voit, Sanchez, Urshela, DJ Torres. That's what their lineup should be. And just by hearing that, you'd probably be saying, oh, my God, that lineup is stacked. That's a stupid lineup. Yeah, it's a stupid lineup. And what's also like people say, oh, but they still strike out a lot. But they really don't. At at that point, they really don't. Yes, Gallo, Judge, and Stanton strike out a lot. Rizzo doesn't really, though. DJ, you know, doesn't. He puts the ball in play, honestly, too much. Uh, Glaber, kind of the same problem. Gary's strikeout rate is actually not really all that bad this year. And Urshela and Voigt. Yeah, they, they don't really like the, the K issue is actually not as big as it appears. So, yeah, the move for Rizzo was just brilliant, in my opinion. I thought it was just a great move. And it was funny, like a couple about 30 minutes before it happened. I said, you know, the Yankees really should trade for Anthony Rizzo. It does make it makes in theory too much sense if they do it. They're like, well, what happens to Luke Voigt? I said, well, you could either trade him, which they didn't, which to me says, which is a good thing, because I think that he should be the everyday DH. Because he can hit. He really can hit. I know he hasn't this year. He's just been unhealthy. But he can hit. Um, or they could trade him. But you know, the thing about Void is he just doesn't have a lot of value to other teams. It's like you know, a bad defensive first baseman in the middle of an injury-riddled season. Like, let's just... Yeah, and especially at this tra- trade deadline where so many marquee players got moved, it's going to be tough to get true value out of Luke Voigt when so many phenomenal players had value that got... Yeah upended i mean you're not going to get your most value out of the guy who's perennially hurt for this season and then is also at the strongest most intense trade deadline of his life like yeah so it just it didn't make sense to trade Voigt, and it made more sense to keep him and i think if the yankees do what it looks like they might be trying to do given that stanton played two games in the field in miami if they were play stanton you know three four games in the field a week that's all that's it just three to four a week in the field that's it. That's all you need to do. That, Genuine question. Cause I've been thinking about it. Would you have a conversation or how would you feel? I should say if the Yankees started platooning second base between DJ and Odor. I, the, I, the, the only problem is like platooning is that Odor this year has reverse splits. He's actually been better against lefties <laughs> than he has righties. It doesn't it, in his career. He doesn't do that, but like yeah. that's what he's doing this year. I and so it's hilarious. The, it's it's so odd. He but like think of all the big moments that he had in this series. They all came against left-handed pitching. So uh, I don't. You can't really do it because Odor is just so good against left-handed pitching. But Odor should be playing relatively consistently. He's just he's just been good. Like he's been good defensively. He's been good offensively. Uh, there's no reason not to play him. It's just crazy. It's yeah, amazing how we fact- joked when this trade went down. Like, <laughs> watch this just work. Like, <laughs> yeah, that real trade for It's like, ah, maybe it's the Yankees. Maybe we'll just fuck around and we'll find out. And here we are talking about benching DJ LeMahieu for Rudnet Odor. Odor. Yeah. 
It's a, it's the same thing as you know when they got Troy Tulowitzki, and you know at that point in time I was like, hey, maybe he's got nothing left in the tank. Maybe he plays phenomenal baseball. And that time he he really didn't have much left in the tank, and you know he ended up retiring. But this and time they they got Mike Tockman, who played great that year. Oh yeah, yeah, he and was wonderful. Got DFA like a week ago. Is he still available? <laughs> Yeah, but no, you, so. no, you guys traded for your savior, Jake Marisnik. Well, we'll, yeah. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> um, the Yankees had another surprise up their sleeve for that day. The Yankees had another surprise. And then that uh, the day later, the final day of the deadline, the deadline uh, on the 30th, where they traded with the Angels for Andrew Heaney and in exchange gave back Elvis Pueguero. And Jansen Junk, which is one of my favorite names in baseball. Yeah, how do you trade that? Um, I know both for pitchers. Merch alone. So this yeah. is an interesting move from the Angels, who last I checked were sitting at almost exactly 500, and I can't. Yeah, they're like not much. in it, but they're not out of it at the same time. Perpetually describing the, the Los Angeles. Oh, as I <laughs> as we are recording, they are 52 and 52. <laughs> so yeah, so. Um, and this is an interesting move from them because their biggest weakness for years has been pitching. And this is one of the few starting pitchers they have that I struggle to say they can safely rely on Andrew Heaney, but he can safely have a spot in their rotation, which I think says something. Um, So it's interesting to see them move on from that kind of guy. But at the same time, is Andrew Heaney being on your roster appreciably better than one, possibly addressing that in free agency in the offseason and to getting a couple of prospects in return. So I'm very interested in hearing what you make of this one, because again, this is one of the most contentious points. I think when you talk about the Los Angeles angels is their pitching, this is kind of a big shakeup for them. So what, what do you, what do you think, Max? I love Andrew Heaney so much, but he has given me so little in return. <laughs> Back in 2018, I looked at Andrew Heaney. And I said, you know, this guy could really be an elite starter. Because all the peripherals were so much better than his ERA. He struck guys out. He got ground balls. And it was just like, there's a lot to like here with Andrew Heaney. And every single year, I keep saying, there's a lot to like here with Andrew Heaney. But the ERA never reflects it. Never does. It, he always underperforms. And the stuff is there. And even Eno Sara said, like, somebody one day is going to figure him out. Like, one day it's going to happen. And we're all going to go, yes, finally. I don't think the Yankees are that team to do it. Um, though they've been, you know, relatively successful in developing pitchers just in the last, you know, like year or two. I mean, look at what all they've done. So it's possible. Um, but I get it from the angels perspective of just like getting something is better than nothing. Cause they were probably not going to resign him. Um, and Jansen junk has, uh, had a pretty good year. I know his ERA is crazy low. Uh, his rest of his peripherals are not. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. Uh, but Jensen Junk is a solid pitcher. He also trains with uh, Kyle Rogers, who used to work at Driveline, who's very good at his job. So, you know, it's a good guy to train with. And um, I think that the the trade for the Yankees was just sort of like, okay, yeah, another arm is needed because, you know, guys get hurt. We also still have Sefi and Kluber coming back at some point. We need to somebody to just keep eating innings with Nestor Cortez as well. And now Herman got hurt. So they really just need another guy to just eat innings because my King's not coming back for a while. The Yankees, they got a lot of pitching, like a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of pitching. And most of it is actually fairly good. Like, I mean, when Andrew Heaney might be like the worst guy getting consistent innings, that's actually a pretty good sign for your rotation and your bullpen. 
Um, but I like it for the Angels. I, I thought the Angels missed an opportunity, but I don't blame them because I, I said going into the deadline that I thought their game plan should be to stand pat. I didn't think they should buy. I didn't think they should sell because I didn't, you know, with, with Trout not there, I thought that they needed to give Trout a reasonable shot with this roster to see what they could do. At this point, given his setback, it seems like, you know, they didn't know that at the time, and I, I don't blame them for this. But given his setback, it seems like the optimal solution was actually to sell. But, you know, again, I don't blame them. They didn't really fully know what was going on with Trout. Um, so I, I don't blame them for their thought process. But, yeah, I mean, they missed an opportunity to trade Razio Iglesias, who, given the returns for relievers on this market, like, it would have gotten a haul back for him. I mean, there were some trades for relievers that just made my head spin. Like, I was like, what? Which they're mainly just one in Chicago that made me like just almost fall out of my chair. I was like, what the heck is this? Um, so, yeah, I, I like it from the Yankee perspective. I like it from the Angels perspective. Uh, I think they can develop junk into something to be like a four or five starter. I think Patrick Sandoval and Shohei Otani have turned into two, you know, good to reliably good starters for them. They just need more. Like, you know, the, the guy they should have signed in the offseason isn't in baseball right now and probably won't be for the rest of the year and maybe ever again. So maybe that worked out in their favor. Um, so, But they need pitching. Uh, yeah. I mean, the offense is, while inconsistent without Trout, is there. Like, And they also need bullpen help. Iglesias has been great, but they have nobody to get to him. They don't trust a single guy. They need their starters to go seven or eight, and then Iglesias finish it down. Like that's if they could do that every single game, they would, but they can't. Like they don't have the Plus, pitching. This for that. enters into an interesting part of the season for them because the guy that has pitched the most innings for them by a decent amount is now off the team, and yeah. who takes up those innings? And this is a and you're not you're not out of the wild card race, but you're out of the wild card race. And so this is also an interesting opportunity for them to try out some of their minor league guys or their fringe guys, give them some more innings and see how they perform. And then, yep. you know, give them Why a better Reed picture. Got called up today. I was about to say, yeah, like, like that, that'll be really interesting to see him get some innings and see what their footing is and see what they need to address on the uh, come the winter meetings and, and beyond. Maybe it's less of an if, issue than they think. If, if Detmers is, and I think he could be. I, I really, really, really like Tetmers. I think he's one of the best pitching prospects in baseball. Um, if he could be good, then you have three starters you could rely on. Because I think Sandoval's changes this year are very good. Like Sandoval looks so good this year. He really, like, the swing. He, since, like, June, he's, like, sixth in swinging strike rate. Dude just got nasty stuff. Really, really nasty stuff. So those are three pitchers that you can rely on. And... That's all you need to get into the playoff series, right? You need three starting pitchers, and they have them. The problem is just one of them also hits. Um, so, you know, you need more. The The Angels are a team that needs six starting pitchers, um, which uh, people are going to be like, six? Why Why do you need six? Well, because one of them is Shohei Otani. So you need, you need six because you need five other guys to start regularly. Um, and they just don't have that. I think this trade helps with that in the future because they can develop junk into a starter relatively quickly. You know, again, an, another guy having a big year, another guy Cashman sold high on. So I like it from both sides. I think Heaney will be a solid bullpen piece when everybody's healthy. I think he's also going to be fine at eating innings, but I think the angels ultimately made the right call in trading him. I think I would also agree. So that is the final move that the Yankees have made final grade on the Yankees. Uh, trade deadline. 
I would say about a B plus A minus range. Like they did really good. They could have done, you know, if they had gotten like a really big name. Apparently they were relatively in on Byron Buxton, but the asking price was crazy. If they had made that trade, it would have been a slam dunk. They were one of the clear winners of the deadline. But, you know, again, they didn't, and that's fine. They didn't really need to. Don't compromise your, you know, uh, minor league depth for a guy who has problems staying healthy. So overall, like it was a good trade. The, the Luke Voigt and the return on the Rizzo trade is the only thing that really downgrades it. It wasn't an overpay for Rizzo. I wouldn't say necessarily it was. It was just given what you have with Luke Voigt. It's also sort of like, okay, you have to address, you know, your roster. If Brett Garner continues to play, that's then it would be on a B plus. If Brett Garner doesn't play, then it'd be an A minus. Yankees fans will very quickly forget these minor leaguers' names if Anthony Rizzo brings them to the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, if Anthony, if they were to ring with these guys, then nobody cares. No one will care. Yeah, the only other thing that would also upgrade the Yankees for me is if they didn't, if they took on salaries, because then they would inherently give less in terms of prospects. And yeah, you are the Yankees; you can afford to do that. Corwin, I saw I myself agree. cut you off. What were you going to say? Just. Knowing I'm going to have to watch Anthony Rizzo of all people in a Yankees uniform, potentially leading the Yankees to the playoffs. And then I don't want to hate Anthony Rizzo. He was even on the <laughs> Cubs. I didn't like that he was a Cub, but he's such a great player and great person to watch. Like you're always rooting for him. The fact that I have to watch him in pinstripes, potentially leading different them to the playoffs. Different style of pinstripes, by the way. Different style of pinstripes. Touche, touche. Hey, just it's be just... glad he's not in the Giants. You never know, man. Just be glad he's not a Dodger. There, there's yeah, worse I mean, realities yeah, for you. Okay. Yeah, you're not <laughs> wrong. But also, fuck you. That's all Thank I have. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. So now let's get into the, the Padres side of things uh, real quick. They actually are the first transaction I have. The, uh, this will be a much shorter conversation. Sheet. Well, it'll be a different conversation. Uh, so going all the way back to July 25th, again, uh, Trey Cord and I already talked about, but Max, I w- would like to hear your opinion on. Um, the Adam Frazier trade, acquiring Adam Frazier from the Pirates uh, for Tusupita Tusu Marcano, Jake Suwinski, and uh, either Michelle or Michael, I've also never heard this name actually pronounced, Mariano. Uh, obviously, this is... It's Tukupita? Really yeah. Okay, again, names I never actually hear pronounced anywhere, so I apologize that I have to read these and figure it out my, on my own. Um, Corn, I talked, you know, it's interesting Adam Frazier having the best season of his career by far and probably not a very sustainable season for him long-term, but whether or not that's necessary if you view your need for him within the playoff window as being short-term, uh, but it, it was a steep-ish cost. So what do you think about this one? I liked it from the Pirates' perspective. I think they did like really, really well. You know, I think the Pirates I, had a great trade deadline. <laughs> I, I agree. I think the Pirates did really well. Um, I didn't think they were a clear winner, but I think they did really, really well. And this tr- and this trade started off what was a sneaky good trade deadline for them. Um, Frazier, I mean, it's just, as you said earlier, the Padres got a lot of second baseman for some reason. I don't know. Like, it's one thing if you have a lot of shortstops because they can play other positions and relatively do well. But second baseman, you're sort of like, well, they can't play shortstop or else. Just tell them every base is second base. They'll figure it out. (laughs) It's one of those things where the second baseman we have are all, yes, primarily second baseman. But that's only because Tatis is at short. Kim's a natural shortstop, and he's an excellent defensive shortstop. Crone's obviously an excellent natural second baseman, but he's, he's great also everywhere, though. excellent first baseman, great in the outfield. And Frazier, sure, like he's not nearly as versatile as the other guys, but at the same time, 
when you have those guys that can move around, you can just put them at yeah. short. That's put them at second. That's where I want to go. I actually thought this was a good tr- trade for the Padres. I actually really liked this one because um, Frazier can play second or left. And you, what, what was more important, as we discussed earlier, it takes Eric Hosmer out of the lineup fairly consistently. I, I'm sorry, but that tr- that deal is just so bad. Eric Hosmer is just not good at baseball. I don't. I, I mean, I see people all the time go on Twitter and try and say he's hitting 270. He hits everything on the ground. He doesn't walk. His defense, while better this year, has been historically really bad with the Padres. He does nothing. He just he just doesn't do anything. He's not good. And so taking he, him out of the lineup, very good. Very good. He is an excellent clubhouse leader. Excellent. My goodness, you do not play those players $20 million when that is their far and away biggest uh, biggest strength. They were trying to trade him with attaching a prospect, and I don't blame them. Like I know people oh, are yeah. going to be like, oh, just pay him. But San Diego like has historically never shelled out the kind of money that they are right now so i'm like i'm already happy with them spending the way they are so i'm good with them trying to get some salary relief that's what i remember especially because it's eric hosmer and he sucks (laughs) they were were legitimately trying to trade away a guy in robert hassel who has top 10 prospect potential he's really good Hassel's really good just to get rid of that contract which is fair in my opinion i actually actually agree with that yeah for real but I, I'm I'm full agreeing with you, like in full agreement with you. Good job. That I love this trade for the Padres. Obviously, now seeing that Tatis went down, this is a no-brainer. You know, in hindsight, good trade for them. You had a bunch of prospects who are all doing relatively well, just like we talked about with the Yankees. You know, selling high on them when they're having great seasons, who aren't going to get the playing time with that not on the Padres, Padres roster. Yeah, you're not, not. going to have any of those guys develop at the majors during this window you're just not so being able to get even a depth signing at what you know uh frazier's making this year what he's making next year i thought this was a slam dunk pick for the padres and i agree fully support it wish it kind of carried over a little bit but we'll get into that yeah the uh, the padres next trade is significantly less exciting um as they acquired Daniel Hudson from the Nationals in exchange for pitcher Mason Thompson and shortstop Jordy Barley. Wrong um, Nationals pitcher, guys. Wrong one. Yeah. Yeah. This is a great return for the Nationals. And I understand that the Padres pitching in various spots is one of the main things that's holding them back. This is a hell of a choice. Um, Max, this is a team that you're very familiar with. Yes. Uh, tell us about what you think. <laughs> this is really just all depends on how you feel about Daniel Hudson. Um, if you like Daniel Hudson, you're fine with this. If you don't like Daniel Hudson, you're probably punching screens, breaking stuff, because this was a massive overpay for a reliever. I mean, but we, as we saw on the reliever market, as I said, this happens every year with trade deadlines. Relievers, they overpay every single time because nobody knows how to value them because mm-hmm. if you if you get a reliever and they pitch great they're insanely more valuable than the market would say but if they're you get a reliever and they pitch bad they're insanely less valuable than the market would say so there's just so much risk um hudson is fine as a reliever like he's solid he's gonna give you dependable innings like he's not gonna you know 
blow up too often, right? He just hasn't done that his last few years. He's 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 solid. Giving up Mason Thompson for him is not that solid. Um, I did. I mean, as a Nats, you know, follower, fan, former employee, this was fantastic. Great job from the Nats. From the Padres, I was like, you know what? You need relief pitching. Let's see how the rest of the market played out. And given the rest of the market, I think the trade has aged better because of what other relievers got traded for. But yeah, it's not. It's still not great on paper. <laughs> if it was a starting role, if he was this caliber of a pitcher in a starting role, I'd be very okay with this trade. This would be a great trade if that were the case. Fantastic. Really good trade. The fact that this team's probably biggest strength at this point without Tatis is its bullpen. It's the best in baseball by ERA. I don't think Daniel Hudson makes us any better. I agree. It doesn't. It doesn't move the needle whatsoever for the Padres. Um, I mean, we I, have I'm guys that do exactly what he does: just strong, dependable innings, no blow up stuff like that. We have so many of those guys. This just wasn't the kind of move that we should have been focusing on. I don't. Listen, as much as I don't love Daniel Hudson, I don't love the trade. It's not giving up crazy amount of value. I would have much preferred Mason Thompson, but at the end of the day, it's not detrimental, but not the, I, not, that, not where we should have been focusing our efforts. That's what I would say is like in hindsight, after the rest of the reliever trades, you can kind of say it's not that bad, but it's more just like, was this really necessary? Right, like, do do we really have to get Daniel Hudson? (laughs) Yikes! Uh, Did we really have to get Daniel Hudson? The answer is no. Does it hurt? No. He can help, maybe. But like, was it worth Mason Thompson? Again, no, probably not. It's it's just one of those trades where you're sort of like, this has the potential to age very bad, but in the moment you're like, "Eh, okay. You make sounds that you're like disgruntled, but you don't know how to describe the sounds. Well, the hindsight of knowing how the reliever market looked post-trade deadline, you can feel better about it. If you can look back in hindsight and, well, without Tatis, this season is not exactly in the same, you know, optimism, you know, outlook as what we had, you know, pre-deadline. I don't feel great about it. It's just yeah. like, all right, well, we just no longer have Mason Thompson. That's just kind of how this went. Yeah, it's, it's just fair. he's just gone, which is fair. I th- I think all those feelings are fair. Uh, hey, you know, if uh, if Daniel Hudson goes out there and and closes out Game Seven of the World Series for you, <laughs> no one cares. Oh, that's I'll that's the that hard part about times it. Out of ten, if I oh, have yeah. to eat my hat for that, sure, okay, <laughs> I'll take one for the team. Chew guys, the no crow, problem. chew yeah. the crow. Yeah, but again, the reliever market was wild. So we'll right. see how it develops. The last. Can we talk about the black or the blockbuster trade that the Padres made with the Cubs? Yes, the the final trade <laughs> of um, the Cubs receiving Anderson Espinosa in exchange for Jake Marisnik. Yeah, Corwin, defensive center fielder, just what the Padres needed. Yeah, Corbin, I, I, my first question to you is, why did the Padres need Jake Marisnik? That's the part I can't seem to wrap my head around. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, you have no answers. Okay. Yes, mm, no. 
I, it's basically just the bench bat that we have. Like we have a lot of defensive bench bats because that's kind of what you do. He's arguably worse than Pro, he's worse than Profar. Arguably better than Mateo, but at the end of the day, it's okay. So we're sending a a relatively young prospect who's had two Tommy Johns, but has also shown some hope in the past. So it's like, I don't care all that much because, okay, Espinosa is probably never going to see the big leagues the way his career has been heading at the same time. We aren't getting any sort of lottery pick with Jake Marisnik. That's the part that's confusing (laughs) for me. If it was a, if it was a weird reliever, if there I was think any upside whatsoever, there was Tim Hill, and like again, like they already have Tim Hill, but like a Tim Hill I pipe, Tim Hill. right? Then you'd be like, okay, I'm good him. with this. This makes sense. Yeah. Like this one's weird because he's gonna take a roster spot. He's not gonna contribute meaningfully above anybody else's performance in any meaningful fashion. Yeah, it like if there was a, like you said, Corin, there was a lottery pick involved here. If there was some flyer upside, Jake Marisnik. Not if that. you threw, if you had a player to be named later in this trade, yeah, okay, that's a win. We played it, or we traded a guy that's probably never going to play for us, for a guy who's probably never going to trade for us, and a guy who will trade for us. Okay, those numbers work out really great for us. Now it's just like, all right, this. It was weird. It was just a weird trade. I remember when I saw it, I was like, who? Okay, I'm just. Who got on the phone? On. That's my <laughs> question. I'm genuinely, because be straight it up, was Jen. It was definitely Jed. He was just like, "Please, please, somebody, just, just, just take Jake. I, I, I we don't, we don't want him. Like, please." And they're just like, "Sure, yeah. <laughs> well, I love making trades. <laughs> I haven't made a trade today." Well, it was just like, "Prove it. You want to talk about it? I don't know, just to prove it." <laughs> he had a he had a a dartboard of names of his minor leaguers and was like, "That guy." For Jake Marisnik, sir? Why not? <laughs> oh, man. Life's I short would, and then you if, die. Let's do it. If I could just be a fly in the wall of that man's office come trade deadline next year, I would I would do a lot. Oh but man. So in all seriousness, like at the end of the day, like if these trades happened on top of something that the Padres were expected to do, you know, moving for a starting pitcher, moving for one of the other big names. Yeah, fully support that. That's great. You know, cool. They were trades that helped us out, whatever. I'd be much more positive. But instead of Scherzer, instead of Gallo, instead of Barrios, instead of anyone that's not Jake Marisnik, we got Jake Marisnik. So what do you two think of the Padres' rather quiet trade deadline after the noisy splash they made in the beginning uh, now that it's all done, especially in light of what the rest of the division did? I think, you know, uh, uh, with the Frazier trade, it, it still gives it like a B minus B because like getting Frazier helps a lot. Like that was that was a really good trade for them and really good for the Pirates. So I still give it like a B minus B. It's as Corwin said, it's the and it's slightly not their fault, given that it seems pretty clear Scherzer wanted to go one place. But um yeah, not getting one of the, the one of the uh, three big names per se. No, the third one didn't get traded. Uh, is kind of hurt, hurting. Corwin, oh Corwin, I think you muted yourself. Yes, it is. <laughs> I think it's one of those things where 
Oh, fuck. I totally forgot what I was going to say because of that mic incident. Uh, I love it when that happens. Classic. <laughs> Warwin Classic. So Preller came out and basically said, you know, because of all of the headlines that came out about, you know, the Padres being close to signing Scherzer, you know, there was plenty of questions. And he was like, yeah, now we hadn't heard from them for like eight hours when we saw that headline come out. So we kind of knew it was wrong and nowhere close to that. Obviously, I'd love to have gotten one of those guys. I still think it's a positive trade because of what Frazier will do for us for the rest of the season with Tatis being a massive question mark. We have him for all of next season on an incredibly team-friendly deal. It's still a positive trade. And at the end of the day, yes, we didn't get a starting pitcher. We didn't get you know a, a superstar outfielder. But we also didn't pay some of the prices that other teams paid for those things. You know, we weren't going to get Scherzer because we couldn't take on Turner with him. And we just wouldn't be able to put a package together that would be anywhere close to the right kind of value for what we were getting with a couple month rental insurer. You know, it's I'm glad we didn't overpay just to keep, you know, these guys going to the Giants, going to the Dodgers. And we did overall improve our team, uh, especially with Tatis getting injured. So I'm happy with it. I'm just not through the roof and of course you know having all these headlines and getting disappointed right at the end it leaves that negative taste in your mouth but overall still positive i i will say it is still nice to see the padres do what they because the padres could very easily be the Rays if they wanted to where Mm -hmm. they very shrewdly move prospects and cheap assets for others, but they can gain marginal advantage and just try to win based on the exchanges of those margins and never really dish out like a big deal or trade any big prospects for any real talent in terms of like established names and whatnot. And, you know, the, the stats that come with it uh, because the Padres for years, I mean, we're the Rays, but not good, the small market, then we're not spending our money. And for the past, there's been a large Padres contract each of the past three years, basically, from Hosmer to Machado to Tatis. Um, And they've made some very big trades in between there. And that's some stuff that you don't usually see a lot of the smaller market teams do, even though most of the time they can afford to do it. They just kind of choose not to. And so it's easy to be disappointed, like you just said, because they didn't do like a Dodger style move. But I mean... The, like, look at the race. They 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 made some trades, sure, but they didn't. They don't have. They don't. They, do they might have gotten the worse. Shit. They might have yeah, gotten right? worse. Like legitimately, that's a real question. Did they get Diego worse? Castillo they trade threw me for a loop. Um, stunned, stunned and, by that. Like, could you imagine the Rays doing half the shit the Padres do? I know you can't. And so, it, while it is disappointing that they didn't do more, they are still in such a better position for where I think we'd all like to see small market teams eventually be that I will be okay. I'm perfectly fine with this. And they're still a great team. They, they're going to make the playoffs at the wild card. You know why I, the Padres have kind of lifted themselves up above that kind of, you know, just tar pit of sadness that the Rays still find themselves in? Uh, the power really of the almighty nice. Oh, that too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Also, also money, you know, money <laughs> yeah. is a big deal. That stadium um, is really nice. And there's, I've just, I've seen so many people get upset that we didn't get Scherzer. We didn't get any starting pitching, you know, Preller sucked this trade deadline, you know, he failed us, whatever. In the past year, we've traded for Mike Clevenger, you Darvish, Blake Snell, signed Joe Musgrove or traded for Joe Musgrove. Traded for Joe Musgrove. 
is that is that not enough, guys? Do we need? Yeah, like do we need to trade for he more? He shouldn't have even been trading for Scherzer in the first place. It's not his, he like he did what he was supposed to do. Right. Like, he so, built a great rotation. They just have not stayed healthy. Granted, right. relying on Lament to stay healthy as much as it pains me because I love the guy is just a bad idea. Just get the damn surgery, man. Please, please just do I, it. I need I need to ask you about Blake Snell. Is his shoulder injury affecting his release point enough to be causing all these problems? And I don't know if it's the shoulder injury or the release point, but there's serious, like, uh, every day, the, me, the, Kevin Cash looks more and more brilliant. Like, it's just, he looks like a completely different guy. I didn't think he would ever be close to what he was in 2018, mm-hmm. right? Like, just, he wasn't the, that kind of guy. Um, but this is, I mean, this is just legitimately, like, what the heck happened? Uh, I just kind of wash it, hope for next year that it comes back fine, but they really should just move him to the bullpen, let him be a one, two inning guy and figure it out because you can't keep throwing him out there every fifth day. It's just, it's painful. Next year's rotation is going to be stupid. Oh, it's going to be so good. I can't wait. It's going to be so much fun. So let's take uh, a quick break from talking about teams that did make trades and talk about at least one team that did not because this was a major point of conversation heading into the trade deadline about who would get moved from the Rockies and what a package would look like, potential landing spots for some of their players. And then they ultimately ended up doing nothing. And while some teams doing nothing can make a lot of sense, we just talked about it with the Angels. I would also say potentially the Orioles. Um, The Rockies are not in a position to do that. And they've also shown a willingness to move on from star players very recently with trades like Nolan Arenado, where they gave money to a team so that Nolan Arenado would not play for them. And it's hard to rationalize why they would do that, especially when prospects at this point in their franchises, I don't know, set up versus how their team is in comparison to the other teams in their division getting in prospects for a long haul would make so much sense. And they kept names like Trevor story and wow, is that confusing? Um, so Max, Oh God, where to even start with my questions? Um, what are the, what are the Rockies doing? <laughs> I think that's the, I, you could ask so many other questions, but I think the, 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 the simplest question, and I think it's the best question, is what are they doing? Like, I mean this very legitimately of, I know people off the street who could run that team better. It's just sad. And there were, in my opinion, there were three big names that were going to be traded, and as I've mentioned throughout. It was Joey Gallo, Max Scherzer, and Trevor Story. Those were the three biggest names that were, I felt like going in the, like two weeks into the deadline, were going to get moved. And people and write it down that. in pen. Yeah. Like they're like, those guys are getting traded. It's going to happen. Two of them did story. Didn't. And I felt story was the most obvious to get traded. It made, he, he was going to get traded back on the first day of spring training. Everyone had decided that that was going to happen. Once Nolan Arenado had gotten traded, they're like, yep, Trevor story's gone at the deadline. And Trevor story had pretty much openly admitted like, yeah, I'm kind of want to get traded. Like, like this, he didn't outwardly say it, but Based off his interviews and comments and stuff, you could kind of tell, like, he just didn't want to be there anymore. And who could blame them? Um, and it's just, they tried to act like they had leverage in the negotiations. They had none. 
everyone knows you wanted to move on from him. And now they're just saying, well, the comp pick will be good enough. Which is also, that just openly admits that you don't want to re-sign him. You're just going to offer him the qualifying offer and then just let him go. First of all, there are some people who are like, is he even going to, you know, take a contract if he gets the qualifying offer? Yes, Trevor Story is going to get paid because he's a great player and they're just going to call this year an anomaly and just say, you played on a, you know, piece of crap team with a piece of crap organization you understand why you didn't really care because he doesn't really seem to care and i don't i don't i don't blame him like i really don't i i would probably be even more upset than he is um which is funny because his his comments oh i was like yeah i have nothing good to say oh oh boy yeah yeah he was confused he didn't get traded too and oh man that was sad to hear the rockies are a dumpster fire they are an embarrassment to baseball they are the worst ran organization in sports and this trade deadline proved it. They had guys they could trade. They could trade John Gray. They could trade Daniel Bard. They could trade Trevor Story. They'd have, they really, if they had gone like in a full Nationals Cubs uh, Twins way, they could have traded Herman Marquez. They could have traded other guys, Brian McMahon. There were guys they could have traded that would have revamped their farm system, which is okay, not great. It's okay, and done so much because that that division is not going away. It's going to get better. You know, the Diamondbacks are really bad, but their farm system is quite good. Like they, they have talent there. So for the Rockies to just do nothing is just sad. I mean, it was just embarrassing. I don't, I already ranted about it to a bunch. I ranted about it to my girlfriend and she was just like, it's okay, Max, calm down. You don't even work for them. Uh, maybe I should yes. work for them because I could do a, I could do yeah, a better yes. job. Um, and it's just, it's just sad. I mean, I feel bad for Trevor Story because he got drafted by them. He like people are gonna say, well, they get paid millions of dollars, they could have choice. Trevor Aye. Story literally had no choice in this. He had nothing to say and nothing to do. He couldn't do anything in this situation, and he wanted to be traded, and he still wasn't because they are just so incompetent. This is this is I feel terrible for Story, and I feel even worse for Rockies fans because they don't deserve this. They they don't deserve a franchise so incompetent. Oh my God! No, it, it's it's just infuriating to see. I mean, and it's not like there's it's not like people teams aren't looking for shortstops. Freddie Galvis nope. got traded. Like teams are looking, teams are always looking for shortstops. The Yankees wanted him. The Mets wanted him. The Giants were talking to him. The you know there were a bunch. They had suitors. The A's were talking to him. They had suitors for Trevor Story. They had teams interested. Once the Yankees traded for Rizzo, that pretty much ended their interest. But the Mets were still there. The Giants were still there. The A's were still I thought he was going to Oakland months ago. I thought that trade just made too much sense. Oakland has a good enough farm system to trade for him. And they just said, nah, asking prices too much, which was valid. They were asking for way too much for a rental from a guy who's, as much as I love Trevor Story, the worst year of his career. As much as I thought like he was going to get traded and do great wherever he went because he was just going to be like, yeah, I'm out of that dumpster fire. I'll play great now. You know, I'll like Blake Griffin when he went to the Nets. Uh, it's just, again, what a disaster of a franchise to say the comp pick is more valuable than any prospects you could have traded. That's just, it's, and also to say, it sounds like there's like eight or nine teams interested in Trevor Story. That number is a little high. Why would you admit to that? What? Why, as a GM, would you admit that the rumors of suitors is higher than the actual number? Why would why would you ever say that? That's just. Do you not know how to negotiate publicly? Like that's again embarrassing and 
embarrassing. If any other team does that, they're chastised. And Rockies still were, but they were just like, oh, that's such a Rockies thing. It's It shouldn't be like that, but it is, and it's sad. And and it's not even, you know, Corbin and I often talk about the, the, the Bryce Harper situation is what we refer to players on expiring deals who may or may not, are likely not to stay with your organization. And should you trade them or shouldn't you trade them? And when it came to that 2018 Nationals team, the, you know, they finished ended up finishing second in the NL East. And part of the conversation around not trading Bryce Harper is, well, maybe we need him down the stretch. We're not technically out of it or whatever. You know, he could they still, still be in useful. It. Right. And we don't want to give up on that. And we don't want to give up on him. We're going to try to keep him that type of, which is the Rockies can't even say that. No, they're in fourth and, and not well, at all. A distant fourth, <laughs> a distant fourth, a very distant fourth. They're like, crazy far back in the wild card race and there's no goodwill there either which is the other thing that i think the nationals could have could have banked on with bryce harper which is you know we're going to play him out here and we're going to offer him a contract again it wasn't what he ended up getting with the phillies because that was a huge contract but still you traded arenado right right like there's there's no there's no signaling that the rockets are doing anything right by trevor story because he wanted to be traded he wanted to be traded if they were doing right by him he would be sitting in oakland right now or with the Mets, or with the Giants, he or would be somewhere, somewhere else. providing value. I, yeah, I, I just, <sighs> the Rockies are a disaster, and it's frustrating because, as I said, the fans don't deserve that. You know, a few fan, ba- most fan bases are terrible, but the Rockies, not really one of them, because they understand that their front office is so poorly ran. They're just like, yeah, it is what it is, and I feel bad for them. Outside of story himself which of those other guys was the biggest name not to move on the rockies mm-hmm. probably bard because he's a reliever and he's like you know relatively good right and you know relievers are always needed right you know they mm-hmm. get they get traded all the time i would say it's either bard or gray like i i didn't wasn't too confident john gray was going to get traded because i really factored in that the rockies are incompetent into that one and i didn't factor it in enough into the trevor story one i guess uh but they should have traded. I mean, really, realistically, they should have traded Story, McMahon, Bard, Gray, Marquez. Like all of them should be gone. They should be anyone else. with a pulse. Yeah, they should Basically. have pulled the Nationals and Twins and, and Cubs. If you had value, you got traded. Oh, Rockies! I'm glad you're in my division. <laughs> oh, Rockies! Speaking of the NL West, confusing people. I guess we might as well get to what was the big fish, the biggest trade of the whole deadline, right? Max sorry, Scherzer and Trey Story. Or, sorry, yeah. Trey Story. Trey Turner. <laughs> yes. As I combine several names into one. Uh, if the Dodgers also happen to get Trevor Story, I just probably would have given up on baseball as a whole and just. <laughs> yeah, they would have been a machine. This is the Summer Olympics year, guys. Focus <laughs> on that. Some, uh, some nice badminton going on. This is a wild trade because not only is it two colossal names in Nationals baseball and baseball as a whole, it's also four very big names in the Dodgers farm system. Uh, So the Dodgers end up acquiring pitcher Max Scherzer and shortstop Trey Turner um, from the Nationals in exchange for catching prospect Kiebert Ruiz, uh, pitcher Josiah Gray, pitcher uh, Gerardo Carrillo, and uh, Donovan Casey. And that's those those first two, I mean – those first two played for the Dodgers this season. That's they are basically ready to come up and, and 
contribute. Ruiz then, is really good. Really, really good. That was a huge get to get him. As a man who has him on my fantasy baseball team, I also feel that way. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is... This was a blockbuster by every definition. I mean, one of the and this is A's on both sides, really, right? I mean, this has got to be just A-plus work from both teams here. Yeah, I agree. I think people were overly harsh on the Nationals' return, but you have to factor in that A... The Dodgers agreed to take some the 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 deferred payments for this year. B Scherzer apparently had the Nats had trades to other places, but Scherzer said trade me to the Dodgers. And remember, he had full rights; he could basically pick where he wanted to go. So that means that you're a little limited in negotiations. So the fact they were still able to get Gray Ruiz in that trade, huge win for the Nationals in that regard. And then for the Dodgers, you got the arguably the third best starting pitcher in baseball the best pitcher available, the best really player available at the deadline, right? On In a year where you have been just really unhealthy in multiple regards, right? And Scherzer, if he's one thing, is really reliable. Just he's going to give you at least 160 to 180 innings, especially this year when pitchers are not working like they used to because of last year and everything. So this was a blockbuster in all, you know, all facets. Trey Turner, probably right now is finishing top five in MVP voting. Like, I mean, just having a stellar year and, you know, he'll play second base, center field, third base, right. You know, the Dodgers will move him around everywhere because they do that for everybody. Mookie Betts played second base today. That's all you really need to know about the Dodgers. I mean, this was for, by all measures, just the biggest trade of the trade deadline. This was the biggest trade we've had at the trade deadline in, I mean, years, like a really long time, really, really long time. This was huge. And I agree. I think both teams nailed it. The, the Dodgers got two great players um, and the Nats did really well in their return. The Nats, this trade, well, you asked you know earlier about an impact on the rebuild. This had an impact on the rebuild, like oh, a yeah. huge one. Because the Nats farm system, respectfully speaking to if my old bosses are listening, is bad. It, it, it was not good. And so this, this trade alone bumped them up a few places. Now you factor in the rest of the trades they made. I mean, now they're sitting at a mid-tier level. And considering where they started, that's really impressive. Uh, the Nationals did really, really amazing. And the Dodgers, what can you say? They have a $275 million payroll. This is going to be controversial. But the Dodgers need to win the World Series. Because oh, it needs, yeah. they, we need to prove that the biggest market – and I've said this three years ago, and I got laughed at by some people – that the biggest market inefficiency in baseball is people don't spend. The Dodgers need to win to prove that that's true. I have a question for you about that, but I'll save it yes. for in a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, I my, one of my first reactions was, uh, "Is this as big as um, the Verlander trade?" But no, it's bigger. so much bigger than the Verlander. Yeah, it's because Way also bigger. at the time the Verlander trade, there were teams that did not want him, like the Yankees, because there was conversations about whether or not he was a little bit washed up and the money, and that was not a factor in this conversation at all. Scherzer has had one of he's his, not washed. he's, he's performing Still good. so fucking well this season. So and good. also the fact that Trey Turner is included in this, he has got so much career in front of him. Yep. Um, and it was not a question of do, does anybody want, it's a question of who will pay. And I think that's what makes this such, such a big trade. Yep. And again, the fact that the, the nationals really, I, I think I saw you comment uh, about it. They get, they lost two guys that are playing for them today, and they got two guys that can play for them tomorrow. Not literally tomorrow, but but in the very near future. And and then two prospects on top of that that will also really help they did well. the farm system. It's they did such really a good well. trade. It was a really good trade for the Nationals. 
I, I would I, I when I saw it, I was like, I'm thrilled with this. This is really good. The Dodgers are currently three games back in the NL West. Is there a single team with a single pitcher? That combination you would want to face less than the Dodgers starting Max Scherzer in a winner go home game. If they don't start Scherzer, well, then they'll just start Bueller. Well, if they don't start Bueller, they'll just start Kershaw. Oh, if they don't start Kershaw, they'll just start Urias. They're a machine. They are a machine. And it, it, I, people are going to say it's not fair. It is fair because everyone else could have done it. Everyone else could have signed those players for their contract. Everyone else could have traded for those guys. Now, they couldn't have necessarily done the trade because nobody's quite as good as developing talent consistently like the Dodgers, but it's not unfair. They just spend. The only thing that matters to the Dodgers owners is winning, and I respect that. I saw something yesterday basically saying that the TV deal that the Dodgers have currently pays them about $260 million a year, Yep, which is not even enough to cover their payroll this year, but by all means... They can spend whatever the fuck they want any they given do. year because it doesn't affect their team's operating capacity, if much at all. Yep. The Dodgers, the, I hate the, it. The, the, the Dodgers owner, I remember a year or two ago, was basically quoted with saying, I would rather lose money and win than make a profit and be bad. Um, every owner in when baseball has to have you that heard mentality. Of, when was the last time you heard that out of a baseball owner? Yeah. I mean, every owner should have that mentality. Like that should yeah. be the mentality. That's what makes that's what makes the sport good. That's what makes the sport entertaining, and that's why the Dodgers need to win the World Series to prove that. Like I'm, if they don't, I'll be okay because they won it last year. But I think the point needs to be proven that the biggest marketing inefficiency is not spending. I this is this is one of those trade deadlines where I know we've talked about it a ton. Salary cap would be great for something like this, where it's like, all right, the Dodgers can spend whatever the fuck they want and just run laps. And I know the salary cap, at the very least, would get so many owners out of hot water for not spending. I just want to see a price floor with it where it's forcing teams to spend. Yep. Uh, that if would we, be so fucking nice. If there was a salary cap of like $230 million, but a salary floor of like $150 million, baseball would be in a really good spot. But it's never going to happen. So, No, it will not. All right. So let's... Because I know we're, 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 we're cutting in a little bit into how much time we have remaining. So I'm going to go through some of the other blockbuster ones. And time works. Huh? Isn't that how time works? Well, Anything yeah. Anything we but... talk about cuts into the amount of time remaining. No, no. I mean, we're, 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 we're cutting into our more remaining time. time. Now. So I'm, now I'm, I'm saying let's, <laughs> let's, let's keep this train of, of moving. So I'm going to ask about some other of the blockbuster ones. And we'll try to hit it a little bit quicker. Um, Starling Marte. And a team that I was not expecting him to go to, but also makes a lot of sense that he would go there. Ended up getting traded from the Marlins to the Oakland Athletics in exchange for Jesus Lazardo, which uh, also a prospect I had not heard about being moved. What do you think about this trade for both sides, the A's and the Marlins? Just quickly, because there's so many other trades that we have to get into, because there were so many trades. Uh, you get a trade. You get a trade. Yeah, look at your chairs. There's a trade. Uh <laughs> Marte to the A's makes sense, as you said. Uh, really thinking about it, I think a lot of people were like, really, to the A's? I mean, you know, they needed some outfield help, even if they didn't want to admit it. Um, and Marte is much better in the corners than he is in center, and they already have Laureano out there. So a good trade, and Canna out there, who's also very good in center too. So they have two good defensive center fielders that now they have a meh defensive center fielder who can be a really good corner guy. So um, then 
Jesus Lazardo uh, as a return to the Marlins is just uh, Kim Ang couldn't have nailed it any better. I mean, just a great return. The Marlins pitching staff now and the pitching staff they're going to have in the future, bonkers. I know, just bonkers. I I said this today. I said there's an argument that Sandy Alcantara is the worst pitcher amongst all their prospects and guys, and he's a stud. That guy's like right now going to be on pace for like a four and a half five win season. And he's arguably the worst in terms of potential that they have. That's how good their rotation is. I mean, it's just sick. So great job. I love it for the Marlins. I was pretty happy with it from the A's. Yeah, I I mean, I think the A's, I guess, don't expect Lazardo to be an immediate impact for them. For whatever reason, they view that. Or at least they don't view the impact of Lazardo. They think he might and, be a reliever too. Is the other thing that, well, that yeah, and that's where I was going to land with it. I, I, for whatever reason, however much Lazardo is planning on contributing in the minds of the Oakland Athletics wasn't as much as the return for Starling Marte. And from Miami's side of it, they, they are building a team around pitching. They've done a phenomenal so well. job of doing it. Oh my god! They're going to make it, a trade for position players, and it's going to work out so well. That Marlins team in a year. And that's or two, the way you'd rather do it. Deadly. They're going to be really good. This, oh this Marlins God. team is going to be scary. They're already like every single game is a fight with them because their pitching is so good. Their offense, not so much, but they've got some, they've got some guys there. Jazz is there. Jesus is there. Brian Anderson, Garrett Cooper. If he could goddamn stay healthy, they have some offense. They just need a little bit more and that will push them into, especially in that division, which every other team's outlook is, except for maybe the Mets is just bleak. And that's why I believe that if the National League adopts the DH, the Marlins might benefit the most from it by being able to take on some, you know, first baseman-esque dudes that could just chill in the DH spot and slam because their pitching doesn't need the extra help, not as much as their hitting does. And, oh, my God, if the NL would adopt a DH, the Marlins all of a sudden become so good. Oh, God. They could be really good. Yes, I'm with you 100%. I was blown away that they were willing to trade Zach Allen last year. And now yeah. looking back now, it's like, well, why wouldn't they? They can just churn these guys out constantly. They're they're turning into Cleveland and Tampa, but they're yeah. honestly better at it. And that's that's scary. That's really scary. It's so good. God, yes. they just need a guy like Giancarlo or Props to Jeter. All right. So this is not a blockbuster trade, but we did make a passing mention at it before we started recording. And I, I must ask you about it. Uh, and that is the... Abraham Toro and Joe Smith trade heading from the uh, Astros to the Mariners in exchange for Kendall Graveman and Rafael Montero. So this trade has been contentious in sports talk radio from what I've heard on the radio, uh, because why would you trade a closer who's having a career season? Um, However, why would you trade a player who's doing poorly? (laughs) Because you're not going to get anything from them. Um, and by getting a 24 year old third baseman who seems to be playing very well and a guy that can also cover that position of relief pitcher, though, not closer in your bullpen for the remainder of the season, Joe Smith. Um, I think that's a pretty damn good trade, (laughs) but, uh, I loved it for the Mariners. I think the optics of it are very bad. And I understand that, that the day after you have such an incredible come from behind win and everything like that, but Jerry DePoto who is smarter than people give him credit for recognize that the Mariners have won a lot of one run games. They've been, their record does not really reflect their overall team. They're not as good as their record. And he said, 
I have an opportunity to sell high on this reliever and get Abraham Toro, who is actually fairly good. I think people underrate how good he is as a prospect. Like he could be quite good and get six years of control. I keep Paul Seawald, who's my best reliever. And then I'm going to go flip another trade and go get Diego Castillo. The Mariners upgraded at the deadline. They got better. I, I know people don't might not necessarily agree with that, but that trade was a slam dunk for the Mariners. Ten, it was ten a, times. Yeah, I do that every single time. I don't care if we had just if even though we had just won on a very amazing and awesome come from behind win, and uh, Kendall Graveman was a big locker room guy. I make that trade every single time because it just makes too much sense. There's not a GM in baseball who wouldn't do that trade in terms of if you were sitting in the Mariners. There are several GMs in baseball who would not do that trade if they were the Astros. Um, because they recognized that would be an overpay and it was so yeah I, I people dogged on the trade and i was like you're wrong like i'm sorry this is a great trade for the mariners the, they couldn't have done any better here the, they really did a really good job at the deadline uh, amazing and it's it's hilarious because you i think a lot of the same voices that said this was a confusing and weird trade were also saying that trading for adam frazier was a confusing trade for the padres uh, because this is a weird year. Kendall Graveman's ERA last season was 5.79. This year it is 0. 0.79. That's not going to last. It, no, of course not. No one's ERA stays below one for any appreciable amount of time. Get it out of here. If you can get, and you know, I, I love Kyle they got Seager. Toro. They got I know. Toro. I, I, I was going to say, I love Kyle Seager. The man is 33. And giving him the flexibility to stay on the team and not have to play third base and move him around a little bit, give, give him the option to DH and not depreciate at the defense at third base, get a young guy that can fill in his shoes if he, whenever it's time for him to retire now. Oh my God. Abs- absolutely. Absolutely. Again, no GM in baseball doesn't make that trade if they're the Mariners. I don't know. The, the trash talk of it, I was like, you're just wrong. Like, I'm sorry. You're just wrong. Agreed. Um, all right, so next one, not quite a blockbuster per se because the man's currently on the IL, but still one of the larger trades, I guess. The Red Sox acquiring Kyle Schwarber from the Nationals in exchange for Aldo Ramirez. Um, again, Schwarber currently on the IL, but had a historic run there for the Nationals for about two weeks when every ball was a tennis ball and his bat was made of metal because, who goddamn. Um, but... It uh, this is, I guess, the biggest trade that the Red Sox made. Uh, and I, I it does help. Disappointing deadline for the Red Sox. It was a disappointing deadline. Very much so. How do you feel about this from the national side of it? I'll, I, lo- I love the return of Aldo Ramirez. He's quite good. I th- uh, he's got some good stuff. Um, and so I, I'm getting that for Kyle Schwarber was huge. Um, the problem with the Red Sox is they needed a first baseman. Schwarber is not that. I mean, he it can't hurt to try, but like he's not that um Schwarber is a great hitter um coming back from a hamstring injury and being a hitter is quite tough it it I, I think people are underrating like they're just assuming he's going to come back and everything will be fine that's a, that's a big if um I liked it from the Nationals perspective it can't hurt from the Red Sox perspective like another bat especially their offense which is really relying on three great hitters two or three relatively having good years, even though they shouldn't be. And then just a bunch of crap. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's fine for the Red Sox. It's great for the nationals fine for the Red Sox, but uh, the Red Sox overall whiffed at the deadline, in my opinion. 
Yeah. I mean, from the Nationalist perspective, this was a guy that they took on to see if he could contribute for a potential push. The Nationals realized that they made the decision that they were not going to continue trying to contend this season for whatever reason. Which was the right decision. Absolutely. Got return for a guy that, uh, by all means, they were not going to keep past this season. Um, And the Red Sox took basically the same flyer the Nationals took, just had to give a player to do it. So. Yeah. yeah. I, it's, it's again, fine for the Red Sox. Great for the nationals. It's just the Red Sox overall deadline was disappointing. Corwin, you are muted again. Oh, I thought I was pushing up on the button. I was pushing up on the gap where the button is supposed to be when it's on. I was like, <laughs> I, I, okay. Oh, now Corwin's actually, <laughs> <laughs> can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, now, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God. We've talked about the Nationals so much. Can we just appreciate that they acknowledge that, hey, we're going to be sellers because we just do not have a chance to contend. So yeah, let's they did the right sell. thing. Let's commit. And they got rid of everyone. And they saw how much value they were getting back for, you know, these, you know, the return they were getting on these deals. And they were like, let's just keep going while we're getting 150 cents on the dollar. Yeah, they did. The Nationals, as I said, I, I might, we're running out of time, so I'm just going to give my winners. The, Nas- the Nationals were one of them, the Twins were another, and the Cubs were another, and then the Dodgers, obviously. But the, those first three teams, they all won the deadline because they all recognized the same thing. We're going nowhere, and we need to sell, and we need to sell fully. We need to go all in on it. And they did. The Nationals, they traded Schwarber, Scherzer, Turner, um, let's see, Hudson, Hand, Harrison, Gomes, all of them gone. And all of that was the right decision. Every single trade, I was like, no, you might have been able to keep it. And Lester. Getting anything for John Lester is a win. <laughs> they got Lane Thomas. Lane Thomas is a guy who, with a few tweaks, could really turn into something. But they got rid of Lester and got a human for it. So, really stellar job by the Nationals. Couldn't have done better. Twins, the same thing. I mean, the, Jose Barrios trade is I, I nobody get the chance I, to talk about it, but oh my god. The Jose Barrios trade is one of the most crazy overpays I have ever seen. I saw some people were trying to say, I don't think you understand how good Jose Barrios is. No, I understand how good he is. He's at best a two. He's not an ace. He's just the ace potential is not there. We've tried for so long, it's just not there. And for Toronto, it just it doesn't move the needle enough against the Yankees, against the Red Sox, against the Rays. It just doesn't do it. And then you gave up your top two prospects for him? I mean, that's just huge. That's just a massive mistake. And then the other two trades were for Joaquin Soria and Brad Hand. No offense, but Brad Hand's not very good anymore. Like, he's just not. And Soria, he doesn't move the needle enough. The Blue Jays, It felt like every AL East team outside of the Yankees whiffed at the deadline really hard. I know people are going to say, but they got Barrios. Yeah, but they they made a crazy overpay. The market didn't even dictate that kind of overpay. It just, it was a bad trade. And I was genuinely... Twins, great trade. Oh, yeah. And I think one also to be pointed out is that the fact that the the Twins, the Cubs, and the Nationals were all big-time sellers, um, they all play in bad divisions. And yeah. them deciding to sell this season and to sell and to sell big could really help their ability to turn things around rather expeditiously. The Nationals went, as I said, went from a bottom three farm system to like somewhere in the top twenty, probably. 
that's a huge turnaround that fast. The Twins, roughly the same story. Their farm system got a lot better really fast. And the Cubs, Cubs already had like a top five farm system. They're now going to have like a top two farm system. It's like they really did stellar. All three of those teams, I can't say enough. And speaking of the Cubs, the really the trade that really did it all in, though I thought the Chris Bryant return was quite good and Chris Bryant in San Francisco makes a lot of sense. I thought that was going to happen weeks ago. I really thought they might trade for Scherzer too. But overall, did well. I thought they were going to get Craig Kimbrell. And instead, Craig Kimbrell goes to the White Sox for Cody here. Okay, another reliever. That's fine. He's on the big league roster. White Sox don't really have a very good farm system, so they're probably going to trade from the... Oh, and Nick Madrigal. Six years of a position player who, in all honesty, is probably never going to be worth more than four wins in a single season. But he's probably going to be worth never lower than two and a half. And they traded that for about 20 innings of Craig Kimbrell. That's, I mean, that's a horrible trade for the White Sox. It just... I know that they now have Hendricks and Kimberl at the back end, and that's devastating. I get that. Just like Jose Barrios, he does help the rotation now and next year. But, oh, my God, that's an overpay. Once the Cubs made that trade, I was like, oh, they won the deadline. I don't. It doesn't matter what other, other trades they make. Like, that trade alone has jumped, just jump-started. No there. other team would have paid that. No, and it makes sense why other teams weren't in on Kimbrel because the rumor was that Kimbrel might not get traded because other teams that felt like the asking price was super high. And it's fair why the asking price you know was why. super high because the White Sox were willing to do that. And if you're willing to do that, if you got one team offering that, there's no reason to settle. Like, just take that. Take that and run. And the Cubs, they did. They did the right thing. They took that and ran. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not a huge Nick Madrigal fan. He, like, he was not Neither worth like, one fourth overall pick. Either. Like, he can he can hit for average or high average, I should say. He's a very good contact hitter and plays doesn't solid defense. Out. Yeah, plays, plays good solid. solid defense, but he doesn't walk, doesn't get on base. You know, he has a, like a 306 batting average and a 350 on base percentage. Like, he just refuses to walk and like a 380 slug, which is ins- insanity. Yeah, <laughs> but like you said, six years of control for a guy who can be your second baseman, plug and play. You know, yep. him and Nico Horner were former teammates, so you already have middle. some good locker room chemistry. Yep. Yeah. Okay. No brainer. We're the Cubs. No we're not. No brainer. Kimbrel's not picking up his option for next season. We're not going to pick up his option for next season. Yeah. Okay. Give us a starter for six seasons for and fucking a reliever money. that we can work on to make better. Yeah. It, it was a no-brainer. Wow. I mean, uh, the, the teams that lost the deadline, in my opinion, two of them were the Blue Jays and the Whites. The White Sox did well at first, like, relatively speaking. They got two other relievers, uh, Cesar Hernandez. That made some sense. But that Kimbrel trade was just so bad that it's like, even if they win the World Series, I'd still say that was a bad trade. Like, it's just it's just that egregious. And then That's the nice. other, the, the, the obviously, the true loser was the Rockies and the Cardinals because... The Cardinals traded for John Lester and Jay Happ, which was so abysmal. confusing. Oh uh, my god! Why? Just, just why? I laughed when I saw the Jay Happ trade. Yeah, and then the Cardinals Rockies just did... want to be the oldest team in baseball. Yeah, really. No. And the Rockies did nothing, as I said, which was abysmal. But the, the, but the Blue Jays really, and the White Sox, it's just like ah, that's quite bad. And then the, you know, the Rays got worse, in my opinion. I don't. I. It's hard to say the Rays got worse because they're the Rays and they'll make the guys that they got good, and it pisses me off every single time but it really does feel like they got worse somehow and then the wet red Sox, they had a disappointing deadline 
I feel like some people were overly harsh on the A's. I felt like the A's deadline was fine. I, I you know it was overall solid. Rangers again, fine. Um, Brewers really didn't do anything. I also don't really think they needed to, to be honest. I think that no. division is theirs to lose. Like there isn't another team relatively close to them, in my opinion. Just their pitching staff is so good and they know it's so good and they walk around like it's so good and they should because it is so good. So I didn't really feel the need to do anything. As I said earlier, Pirates did great though. I yeah. really liked what the Pirates did. They got, they, their whole philosophy since the offseason is quantity over quality and it's working. It's they, they're going to have a really good farm system. Now the outlook of the NL central, the team with the best outlook is the Pirates. Like, Brewers have no farm. There's no way they can afford to pay all of those guys, um, even though they could, but they won't. They'll just say they can't. Um, so the Pirates have the best future of any team in that division. And that's a wild statement. And another team, the Royals. What are they doing? Oh, my God. What are they doing? They traded Danny Duffy. Okay, for nothing. good start. Then for, yeah, for nothing, who's having a pretty good year, could have gotten more back given the market. And then... Didn't trade Merrifield, traded Solaire for peanuts too. Then and then they didn't trade, but not trading Merrifield, not trading Santana, not trading Scott Barlow, not trading any of those guys. It's just like what you're just commit. commit They're such a something. weirdly sentimental team. I don't get it. Yeah. If I have to hear about how Salvador Perez is the best catcher in baseball anymore, I'm gonna lose my mind. He is not the best catcher in baseball. The dude can't frame or the lick. He has a sub 3% walk rate. It's just, it, it's stop. We'll just do going. something. Just do, just do anything. I, I know. Find a way. The, the division's not even that good. If they no. really committed to it, they could be better so fast. They really could. The White Sox, the only reason the White Sox. They should have traded Jorge Soler for that 50 home run season. The fact that they, they didn't was infuriating. Yeah, really though. That, that That's what they should have done. Uh, the fact that the White Sox are so good is basically because they had enough prospects hit. They didn't really make overly great signings or anything. The, the, the Lance Lynn deal was a good deal. That was a good deal. I'm not going to say that. But Dallas Keuchel. Love the James nah. Shields trade. <laughs> yeah, James Shields trade working out great for the Padres. Uh, um, but, you know, Dallas Keuchel, meh. Lucas Giolito, he turned into something basically on his own. They more got lucky with that than anything yeah. else. Um, you know, Michael Kopech's been good as a reliever probably can still figure it out as a start um but Eloy turning into something Tim Anderson turning into something Johan Makata turning into something Dylan uh, Jose Cease. Abreu Dylan Cease figuring out Grandal was a good pickup they made enough right moves and then just had enough prospects hit that it worked out that's not to say that they were like a poorly ran team or anything like that. Like that's they if you're a mid-market team. Better to be lucky than good. Yeah. If you're a mid-market team, a lot of it is just luck. And that's what they are. And they're yeah. they're just lucky. And the Royals, they could be like that. They could be just lucky. But they don't commit. They There's refuse. no reason for Whit Merrifield to be a Royal anymore. There's no. no reason. He is a league average hitter, a relatively fine defender. Other teams have been clamoring him for some weird reason for multiple years, and yet he still remains in Kansas City. And I just Stone don't get bases. it. Whit Merrifield, Jorge Soler, who did get or uh, uh, yeah, um, 
their catcher, who, uh, Salvador Perez. Why also did they not trade Andrew Benintendi? I think would have been. Why didn't they a, trade uh, Carlos Santana? Why didn't they trade actually Carl- having oh a solid God, year? They didn't trade Carlos Santana. I, they I said they they were did. Like, we like his offensive profile more with us. Why? What? Stop it! Why? The Red Sox wanted a first baseman. You should have <sighs> traded him to the Red Sox. They would have given you something. Uh, just. There, and there's a ton of more stuff that we're obviously not gonna have the time to talk about. Why did why did the Cleveland team take Pablo Sandoval? No one knows. Then um, they immediately cut him. And what did they get out of, that? of Eddie Rosario? You just you just wanted to give Eddie Rosario away for free? It why? seems like a trade that would happen because they didn't want the reminder team. that they got him back for trading out Fernando. Lott- Fernando. And then uh, uh, just quickly another team. What are the Phillies doing too? What Who like the why were they? Why are they buying? Like they're. Any team that was not the Mets in the uh, NL East should have done what the Nats did: sell. They should like they're just they're all, every other roster is fundamentally flawed. At least with the Mets, you can just say, well, they're all, all of them are just underperforming. With every other team, it's like, no, it's not really underperformance. They're just not good. <laughs> like, it's it, what, what are you doing? We could. <laughs> <laughs> we, we could genuinely keep going through all 40 something of these trades and I have so much to say about all of them, but I want to ask one final question before we let you go. And I know that we've already uh, more than el- uh, elapsed the time that you gave us. Yes. It's, but it's all good. My final question, uh, which I said I would ask is, is about money because it feels as though at this trade deadline, there has been something of maybe a small shift in the way money has been approached because it feels as though, feels anyway, I cannot quantify this, that in the past, it has been about avoiding spending money. And this time, I think we've seen a lot of teams, specifically thinking about the Cubs and the Rangers because of the Yankees, uh, taking on money to get back better prospects. And I can't help but wonder if this is something that we might end up seeing more of, because if you think about it, you are spending today's money, which you basically committed to already, in exchange for cheaper, controllable prospects, which means spending less money in the future, committing fewer dollars in the future, which is something that basically is the whole conversation around uh, Joey Gallo. You extend him for $15 million a year, whatever it is, or you get back a couple of guys that cost you the league minimum and then a few arbitration hearings, average it out, say it's $3 million a season. It's not going to be much. And that gives you more of our favorite term, financial flexibility for the future. And it seems as though we saw a lot of teams who sold, who made this calculation, which makes a lot of sense. So one, did you think about, did you notice this as well? And two, how do you think we're going to see money and the approach with money at at the trade deadline or for signings change going forward? I did notice this and I I really, I noticed it because the nationals wanted to get rid of Scherzer's final deferred payments, right? Right. And that was part of the reason that the prospect return wasn't necessarily as good as people thought it could be, right? So that's where I first noticed it. And then with obviously all the Yankees trades and getting the other team to pay the salary and everything. And other teams were doing that, trying to get other teams to pay the salary and everything. And the Padres were trying to get rid of Eric Hosmer's contract. And it was just all throughout baseball. It seemed like, can I get rid of, you know, teams that were selling were like, can I keep spending dollars today? So as you say, to not spend dollars further. This is all goes back to my point that the Dodgers need to win the World Series because if the Dodgers win the World Series, it'll turn the markets on its head, whereas teams like the Yankees, the Padres, the Angels, and uh, other teams will finally realize if we want to win, we got to spend. Like, if that, that's what it's going to take. Like, if, if the Dodgers are going to spend $275 million, and God bless them, I'm absolutely in love with the fact that they are, just to prove a point, 
then other teams are going to have to do it too. The problem is if the Rays somehow make it back to the World Series, which is possible, they could, they're in first place right now, um, then that point is completely gone. And thus teams will not spend and we will see a continuation of what we're going to see from here on out that teams will avoid. They'll treat the luxury tax as like a hard cap when it's not. Um, some teams will go over for a couple years and then try to get under again because they don't want to pay the fines. And thus the cycle continues. Unless the Dodgers win the World Series. If the Dodgers win the World Series, it'll be a shell shock enough to the system to say we need to spend money to prevent this dynasty. That's all it the takes. Padres could fall in under that too. Oh shit, yeah. we've been a bad team for a decade. Oh, we're gonna spend a shit ton of money. Oh, we just won a World Series. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Look at that. That's that's all it takes. Is if if you're a team that is going to spend money and you win it all, you will have proven the point that the biggest market inefficiency is spending money. And I think the Padres would even drive that home more because they are a legitimate small market in history. Yeah. The Dodgers, oh well, they're the Dodgers. They're supposed to win every year. Well, but they the, don't, but yeah. The, the Padres are a legitimate, terrible team that <laughs> forced their way into the conversation because they spent a shit ton of money very quickly. The Dodgers, the reason that they forced the conversation is because it's just like $275 million. You're like, that's a lot of money, right? But with the Padres, you're right. They were a team that didn't spend money. We're a mid-market team. When they did spend money, it was always in like some weird, bad way. And then finally, they, just started, yeah, they finally decided to spend money in smart ways and spend a lot of money really fast, make trades, and just said, if other teams aren't going to spend, we can, and we can capitalize off that to form a great team. That's why I was almost excited to see the rumors that the Rays might make a splash and trade for someone like Trey Turner or Max Scherzer. I forget who Bruce the Bryant rumor was. Or yeah, Craig one of them. Kimbrell. Because then it's like, well, if now if you make it back to the World Series and maybe you even win one, you can people can point to the fact that you did something that a normal baseball team does, something you that spent. involves spending money. Because yeah. it feels like we've gotten to the point, and we'll, I promise we'll not make this conversation too long, <laughs> but um, it feels like we've gotten to the point where the biggest gap in competitive advantage is money and that's yep. ridiculous absolutely ridiculous every and, team could spend but they don't and they could spend for a variety of reasons i really wanted the orioles to trade for eric hosmer so that they could get prospects back and basically just buy the prospects there's no reason not to do it in my mind but they because, felt that their farm system was good enough that they didn't really need to and trey mancini was already at first base which is again a very legitimate argument like that's that's very valid like they have a valid reason not to trade for eric hosmer in the sense of like we already have a first baseman on the big league roster our farm system is already good we don't necessarily need to upgrade it huge but at the same time you're right they should have they they absolutely should have they have no payroll they can just let Hosmer sit there and DH all the time. Who cares? It does they not matter Chris who Bryant to do, or Chris Bryant, Chris Chris uh, Davis to do it. They they can pay Hosmer to do it. They, they, listen, it does not matter how who plays for you right now. It it just doesn't. Like as long as Mancini and Mullins are getting at bats, and you know you once Rushman is ready, he's getting at bats. It doesn't. It, no, nothing else matters as long as two of guys in your lineup are playing consistently. Everything else will sort itself out. Yes, All you right. were right. They should have. They should have traded for him. And it's not disappointing that they didn't because, again, they have a valid reason not to. They have a valid reason you know, to sort of not make that trade. But it goes back to the overall feeling that 29 owners and ownership groups feel the need to not spend. But, well, one or two do. And look at whether one or two are. Much better position competitively. Yep. All right. All right. We have taken up enough of your time. 
There are again, so many trades to this deadline. Um, thank you so much for taking slightly more time than you said you might have for us to, to sit down good. and job it up with us about it. We really it's appreciate fine. it. We'll be fine. She'll, she'll, she'll be okay. <laughs> uh, Max, once again, thank you so much. Where can people find you? We'll just throw it here at the back of the episode too. Uh, where can people reach you on Twitter and where can people see your most recent articles? My Greenfield, I'm just kidding. Uh, my, my Twitter <laughs> handle is at Greenfield Max 18. Uh, I write at pitcher list. I have an article come out every Friday. My last two articles have been about Yankee pitchers. I just really like Jordan Montgomery. I'm sorry. I also thought that the Garrett Cole's wash comments were hysterical too hysterical not to comment. Um, So that's where you can find me. I got to run everybody. Thank you so much for having me again. Thanks, Max. Appreciate you you spending the time. That was us talking with Max again. Thank you so much to him. Uh, I felt so bad. He literally like exited as soon as we were done because we held him up so long. And I am again so sorry we did that to you. But oh my god, there's dude, forty five fucking trades. Forty five. We couldn't talk about all of them if we wanted to. Dude, we spent like an hour and a half talking with Stacy Gutsulius about like four trades, Mm -hmm. like. I understand we also vamped a while because we were waiting for more details on the Gallo trade, but still like that was like four or five trades. We talked about, there were 45 trades for this one. Oh my God. Um, Obviously this will be something that we can loop back to constantly because as, as James Shields has showed us um, trades going to have impacts for years to come. (laughs) So we'll uh, we'll see how these, trades and our views on them affect the immediate future uh, especially for certain teams like with the mariners uh the rays the red sox maybe um, well it'll be tough for the the rebuilding teams like the cubs and the nats because we're not going to know the immediate impact fair i enough, guess fair enough yeah um but maybe teams like the braves and the phillies uh we'll we'll see uh i'd say we'll see about the rockies they did nothing there's nothing to see um, they made one trade, I think. Do you recall who it's for? No idea. This isn't the episode, but uh, we're gonna. I'm gonna ask Corwin about it anyway. The Rockies traded Michael Givens to the Reds in exchange for Case Williams and Noah Davis. Oh, and then they traded Austin Godot with the Reds. They received Austin Godot for, from the Reds in exchange for cash oh no sorry they gave cash to the reds in exchange for austin godot i had myself written backwards that's it that's not great and that's not great for what what they needed to do but we we've we discussed this yeah there's no point rehashing this again anyway all right so then that's it for the show uh if you'd like to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at Juicing Pod. If you'd like to follow myself on Twitter, you can do so at Joshua D. Trace. And if you would like to follow Corwin on Twitter, <laughs> you could do so uh, at Corwin Heller. Um, I would highly, highly, highly recommend following Max Greenfield on Twitter. He posts so much more frequently than Corwin and I. And as you can tell, we agree with basically everything the man has to say about basically everything he has to say anything about. Um, so please follow him at Greenfield Max 18 and check out his articles and pictures list. They are genuinely wonderful and it is a treat to get to read them and they've helped my fantasy team. I have, 
going to lose this week, but it's not my fault. I scored 140 points, and I'm so, so fucking sad. I'm so fucking sad I'm going to end up losing this week. I, I never talk fantasy baseball on this podcast, and I'm so sad. Anyway, so, <laughs> follow Max. Um, this Thursday's episode, we'll be joined by another guest. That's like three episodes back to back to back. With guests, we'll be joined by Eli Fishman to talk about Yankees minor league teams and players and see how what it was like for him covering his first trade deadline as someone who uh, was, is set to follow teams and players. Uh, so stay tuned for that. It'll be a good one. It'll be fun. Um, and that's it. So until Thursday, y'all have a good one. Bye.